We're going to be in Romans chapter 1 on Wednesday nights. We're looking in depth uh, from our weekend uh, text. I'm going to cheat a little bit tonight. We're going to go back to Romans 1, 16 and 17. So just such a good couple of verses there. So it takes us back a couple of weeks. My prayer tonight is that there would be heart and life change in our, in our minds. I know for me, a lot of times I can read the scriptures and sometimes even teach the scriptures and my heart is not uh, fully engaged. I, I didn't come really ready to hear from the Lord uh, when I'm opening up the Bible and we're told of Jesus, he that has an ear to hear, uh, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So God speaking to us through his word and such an a, important topic of faith and encourage you to open up your heart, open up your ears. You know, as Jaden was praying, we all brought in stuff uh, from the day. Uh, let's give those things to the Lord and, and really allow the Lord to speak into to those things in our lives. So pray with me. Father, we're thankful for Wednesday nights, thankful that we can come and draw near to you in spirit and in truth. We ask that you would speak to us in this, this area of faith. The just shall live by faith. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Lord, forgive us for not really expecting to hear from you. But we know that you are the masterful communicator. That you are speaking through your word. So we want to listen. And Lord, where we're weak in faith, would you build us up? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Such a wonderful and deep chapter, Romans chapter 1. We could literally be in this chapter for weeks. I want to just hit a few of the highlights uh, before we get into verse 16 and 17. One of the highlights is the power of the gospel, that the power of the gospel is unto salvation. Jesus' work upon the cross is what justifies us. To the point where Paul said, that he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's confident in the gospel and the power of God. Then we start to see how Paul lays this foundation of why we need the gospel. Why do we need Jesus to die for our sins in this downward spiral of the soul? Where did the downward spiral begin? It began with suppressing the truth or, or holding down uh, the truth. And then that led to the refusal to acknowledge God for who he is, to give him glory for who he is. God's revealing himself through creation, but then rejecting that knowledge of God. Then turning to the place of being unthankful. In my time in Romans chapter 1, that just keeps coming up to me. Eric, be thankful. When I'm unthankful, there's that downward spiral of uh, the soul. After being unthankful, then it's professing ourselves to be wise, but becoming fools pontificating about how smart we are, but from God's perspective, being a foolish. Then God turning us over to the lust that's in our heart, this, this perversion of uh, sexuality. After this last weekend in talking about the perversion of sexuality, my heart was really drawn to and broken for those that don't understand that sex is a gift from God. There's been so much perversion and twisting and, and abuse and people have gone through so much sexual and physical abuse and when they hear from God's word inside of marriage between a man and a woman that sex is a gift they're like man it's been so twisted God desires to bring healing 
And one of the things that I would just encourage you is to, to see sex as a gift from God inside of the commitment of marriage and, and ask that the Lord would, would bring healing. You know, there's all of these lies that are in media, all these lies that are in society, and, and I think the enemy is really trying to get us to a place of not seeing that, that sex is a gift between a husband and wife inside of the commitment of, of marriage. Where does this all lead to in Romans chapter 1? That we're guilty before God. That we need a savior. If we read Romans chapter 1 honestly and look at our hearts, we go, God, I cannot stand before you. I need a savior. And that leads us to these two verses that are paramount in this chapter. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And we'll focus on verse 17. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As we meditate upon the righteousness of God, it's a divine attribute that only God possesses. It literally means right on this. There's nothing about God that's off. He's completely holy and he's completely whole in and of himself. He possesses righteousness. It's a divine attribute. We're nowhere close to that. No one is. No one is righteous. There's none righteous. Only God is righteous. It's a divine attribute. But also, it's a divine ability. What do I mean by that? God lives inside of his attribute of righteousness. There's never been a time where God has been unrighteous. There's never been a time where where God has stepped out of character. It's his divine activity. He lives in righteousness to where we'll see later on in Romans that that God's judgment is righteous. It's right on this. He's right in bringing that just judgment upon sinners. So it's his attribute, but it's also his activity, but also... His righteousness is his accomplishment because he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that he who knew no sin, imagine that never knowing any sin, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's his accomplishment. God gives righteousness and that's where we find faith coming in. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The only way that we can enter into the righteousness of God, have God's righteousness put to our account, imputed to our account, come into fellowship with a righteous God is through faith. And we get to this phrase, the just shall live by faith. It's used four times in scripture. We're going to look at all four times this evening and look at how This phrase impacts our lives. So let's go to the first time that we see the just shall live by faith in scripture. It's in Habakkuk chapter 2. If you turn to Habakkuk, Habakkuk in the Old Testament, come on, that was good. I've been working on that all day, you know. So Old Testament, minor prophet, right before Zephaniah, like that helps a lot. So if you find the Gospel of Matthew and go to the left a little bit more, you're going to find Habakkuk. We're going to pick up the story, the narrative 
in chapter 1, verse 1, Habakkuk the prophet is wrestling with God. He's got some questions for God. Maybe that's the place that you find yourself in. There's some difficult circumstances, some questions that you can't quite shake. And it's important for us to take those to the Lord. And that's where we find the prophet in verse 1. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear. Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contentions arise. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. And God, you don't hear me. And why are you allowing this violence? Why are you allowing things to spiral out of control? The law has no effect. It has no power. Justice, there's a, there's a lack of justice. And then as you continue to read in chapter 1, God responds in a way that Habakkuk wouldn't have anticipated. It's almost like God says, Habakkuk, if you think it's bad now, it's going to get a lot worse. Because I'm going to send the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, into Judah to judge you and to take you captive. And then this sends Habakkuk even into a deeper spiral of, God, how could you allow this pagan nation, the Babylonians, who are even more immoral than us, to come bring judgment upon us? If you follow the Old Testament history, you see that God was very patient with the nation of Israel, with Judah, southern Israel specifically, and they continued to give themselves over to idolatry, to idolatry, and God would warn, and idolatry, and idolatry. And finally, God said, I'm going to take you captive, and I'm going to use the Babylonians to do it. I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar to do it. So now, Habakkuk's wrestling all the more, and it brings us to chapter 2, verse 1, and I love what Habakkuk does. He could have just said, well, I'm wrestling, that's it, I don't understand, that's it, I'm going to move on with my life, I'm going to be frustrated, but instead he takes time to seek the Lord further. In verse 1, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. He says, I'm going to stand watch, I'm going to slow down my life. I'm going to go get alone with God. I'm going to set myself on this rampart, on this tower, this getaway. And I'm going to see what God's going to say to me. And he even anticipated that he was going to be corrected. And God answered him. The Lord answered and said to me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. God says, I'm going to speak to you, Habakkuk. And I want you to get your pen out. I want you to get your journal out. And it's going to be so concise, I want you to simplify it to where someone runs by can read it. In the business world, this is your vision statement. This is your mission statement. This is your motto. Companies that do it well, Nike, just do it. You know, you, you remember that, that phrase. You pass by it and you, you catch on to it, right? So God wants to give Habakkuk an answer that's concise, that's powerful, That someone who even is running by could get 
the message. And this is the message for Habakkuk and the message for others as well. Verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. God's saying this vision of the Babylonians coming in, it's surely going to happen. There's going to be some waiting, but it's going to happen. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright when our heart is, is proud. We're not upright with the Lord. But then God gives this answer to Habakkuk and says, but the just shall live by what? By faith. Habakkuk, if you're going to get through this trial, this situation of Judah's completely out of control, it's a mess, there's no justice, there's no law and order, I'm going to use the Babylonians, the pagans, to come in and bring correction. The only way, Habakkuk, that you're going to navigate this is to trust me. The only way you're going to live and be alive spiritually through this trial is by faith. And God presents to us his heart, his equation. How many times in our lives are we like Habakkuk where we're saying, God, this this just doesn't make sense. I really don't understand this. Why are you allowing this in my life? I, I know you're in control, but what about this mess? And God says, hey, you're going to have to trust me. The just shall live by faith. So this is the first time this phrase is used in all of Scripture. And when we think about the gospel, we have this mess, this mountain of our sin, that there's no way out, there's no solution, and the only way that we can be saved is through faith. Habakkuk can't conquer this on his own. We can't conquer our sin on our own. The only way is through faith. So then the second time this phrase is used is back in Romans chapter 1. So you can turn back to Romans chapter 1, looking at our key verse, verse 17. As it is written, quoting Habakkuk 2, the just shall live by faith. In the New Testament, this phrase is used in Romans, it's used in Galatians, and it's used in Hebrews. And each book is built off of this verse. The book of Romans focuses on the just. The just shall live by faith. The whole book explains justification. Galatians focuses on shall live. Hebrews focuses on by faith. So you really have three books of the New Testament that focus on this one verse. The just shall live by faith. What does the word just mean? It's actually a legal term. It's a forensic term. Justified to be declared righteous. And this is where the gospel is so magnificent because... We have been pronounced guilty for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We stand before the righteousness of God absolutely guilty. Nothing that we can do to save ourselves. But Jesus in his sacrifice, the gospel, his death and resurrection, as we believe, his righteousness is accounted to us and we're actually positionally justified. We're actually positionally righteous. So how could we be guilty 
and be freed only through the finished work of Christ, where our sin is actually removed from us. That's good news. We're justified. And that's what Paul is going to camp on. That's what we're going to enjoy for the next several weeks as we study together as a church family. Before we can really delve into the good news, we have to sit in the bad news. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 of Romans, really understanding our depravity and our sin before God. But then we get to the end of Romans chapter 3 where God is just and he is the justifier. But, but how are we made just? It's by faith. The only way that you can be justified is by faith in the blood of Jesus. Some of you remember this. It was a very sad day. It was September 2013. Some terrorists go into a mall in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, and they begin to just shoot and, and, and kill innocent people. And there were 67 67 people killed and 200 people injured. And there was a woman who was there who was laying on the ground and she could hear one of the terrorists coming and shooting. And all of a sudden she heard someone's phone start to ring. And she reached over to this person next to her like, hey, silence your phone. You know, it's going to cost you your life. And she realized that this person had already been shot. And the reason they weren't silencing their phone is as they were, they were dead and bleeding out. And she made this decision to go ahead and take the blood of this person next to her and smear it all over her. So when the terrorists came, that they would assume that she was dead as well. And this was a widely reported uh, story and it worked. And she said at the end of the interview and talking with the news, I wish I knew who this guy was because I was covered in his blood and his blood set me free. His blood saved my life. And that's a picture of what Jesus did for us. Jesus' death upon the cross, as his blood is applied to our hearts and applied to our lives, we're justified. We're declared righteous. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, the last plague upon Pharaoh was Passover. And God said to, to all the families, you're to take a lamb, kill this lamb, and put the blood of the lamb on the door of your home and death passed over only if there was the blood of the lamb on the door of your home. It's a picture of the gospel. As we believe the gospel, the blood of Jesus is applied to the door of our lives, the door of our hearts and judgment passes over. So the just live by faith. The only way we can be just before God is through faith. It doesn't come through our works. It comes through through faith and trusting in what Jesus has done for us. I know that for some of us, this is a review. You, you know this. I know this up here in my mind. But may it impact our hearts and our lives afresh this evening. It's through the finished work of Christ. When Jesus died, he declared it's done. And as we believed in Christ, we're saved, we're justified, we're declared righteous. So let's look at the third time that the just shall live by faith is used in Scripture. Turn with me over to Galatians, a little bit further to your right in your Bible. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read through uh, the first 14 verses.
The book of Galatians focuses on shall live, shall live. Okay, so we're justified by faith, but how do we live the Christian life? How are we sanctified? How are we set apart? How do we grow in the image of Christ? And the church of Galatia was struggling with some false teaching where people were creeping in and saying, hey, it's great that you trusted the gospel. It's great that you trusted in the blood of Jesus, but the way that you're going to be changed and the way that you're going to be transformed and the way that God's going to use you is through the works of the law. So you've got to go back under the works of the law. You've got to perform. You've got to work hard. And it's only through your hard work that your character is going to be changed. And it's only through your hard work that God is going to use you. The only way that you can really live the Christian life is through hard work. And Paul writes a whole entire letter to clear that up and say, no, the way that we live is by faith. We're saved by faith, but we also live by faith. The way we overcome sin in our lives, it's through faith. The way that God uses our life, it's through faith. And if we have a works-based relationship with God, it's going to be cursed. Why? Because the law never changed anybody. Hard work never changed anybody. God's not a debtor to someone. He's not like, okay, you put in your time doing your devotions. So, so now I'm going to pay you back and, and reward you. God's looking for faith where we trust in his goodness and his faithfulness for victory over sin, for God using our lives. And you're saying, Eric, I don't know if this is true. Well, let's look at Galatians 3 and see what God's word has to say. Oh, foolish Galatians... Who has bewitched you? Who has charmed you and deceived you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? They understood that Christ was crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was vain? These are rhetorical questions with obvious answers. How did you receive the Spirit of God? Was it through works? No, it was through faith. You believed that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, and God, by his grace, filled you with the Spirit. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit the moment that you trusted Christ as salvation. But the temptation now is to say, well, I've begun in the Spirit, but I'm going to be made perfect. I'm going to be sanctified through the works of the law. Now, the temptation for us is to not go back to the Old Testament, for most of us, to live under the Old Testament law, like for these Galatian believers, but we make up our own law, don't we? And we say, well, if if I read my Bible every day, then that's really going to result in, in changed character. If I, if I tithe, then that's going to result in changed character. Maybe if I fast and I pray at least 24 hours every week, maybe God will use my life. And we get these works, relationship going with God. Now, is it wrong to read your Bible? No, I, I hope you read your Bible. But I hope you read your Bible in faith. The just shall shall live by faith, enjoying God's grace and and his goodness. I hope that you give. 
God doesn't want us spending everything on ourselves. It, it's a huge blessing to give cheerfully to the work of the Lord. But I don't want you to give thinking that somehow then you're bending the arm of God. God, I, I gave some money to you, so then this is what you're going to have to do in my life in, in return. How this plays out sometimes in my life is when I'm preparing messages, sometimes I can trust in my own work. God, I've, I've worked hard. I've studied. I've come up with a clever illustration. I've put in the work. So I believe that you're going to use it. And those are the messages that fall flat on their face, right? Then there's other times where I'm like, Lord, I just don't have it. If I'm honest, I'd, I'd be at home crying in my room tonight. You know, like, I'd just be, I don't, I don't have it. So God, you're going to have to do it. And God's faithful and he's gracious because why? I'm approaching it in humility and faith. Now, the best of both worlds is when I do pray and I do prepare and I do study, but I'm not relying on my preparation. I'm not relying upon my works. I'm relying upon the goodness of God that he loves you and he wants to feed you. Amen. He wants to feed you his word. And that's where the faith comes in. The faith of going, Lord, yeah, of course I'm, I'm wanting to glorify you in my marriage. But I'm not trusting in my works. Lord, would you cause my marriage to be alive by your grace? I'm trusting in your character, in your, your nature. So this is what Paul is really confronting. And he goes on, and it's really freeing if we can grab, it, grab a hold of it. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's obvious. Someone that God's using in a supernatural way, it's not because... They've done the works of the law. It's because of faith. The just shall live by faith. Here's an example. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. The Jews took a lot of pride in the fact that we're the sons of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. So are you, right? Well, of course we're in, because we wear Levi jeans, right? We're, we're descendants of Abraham, right? And here, Paul bursts that whole bubble and says the reason Abraham was right with God was because of faith. And Jew or Gentile, the just shall live by faith. And this is really interesting in verse 10. For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed it is everyone who does not continue in all of the things written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. There we have it. Galatians 3.11, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So if we have a rules-based relationship with God, it's going to be cursed. Why? Because it leads to one or two things. It leads to pride or condemnation. Pride when we're doing the law well, when we have our little system of law that we, we've created and 
Why can't other believers get their act together like we can? Woo! Right? Or it leads to condemnation because inevitably we're not going to fulfill the law. And there's a better way to live. The just shall live. We're, we're made alive. Life comes through, through faith as we, we trust in the Lord. Verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We don't have to live under the curse of the law because Jesus became the curse for us and died upon the tree, upon the cross. And in this gift of grace, in this new covenant, we have the promise of the Spirit. And if you go on to read Galatians, it describes the life of the Spirit. Describes what the fruit of the Spirit is. That faith causes us to be alive because the Spirit of God is inside of us. And so instead of just trying to conjure up things in our own effort, God's Spirit is moving in us and producing something in us that we can't produce in ourselves. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. And this comes through faith. As we have faith, then there's the Spirit and the move of of the Spirit in, in our lives. The just shall live... By faith, Galatians focuses on the live. Well, let's turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. And we see the last time the phrase, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10, verse 37 through verse 39. The book of Hebrews focuses on faith. So Romans focuses on the just. Galatians focuses on shall live. Hebrews focuses on faith. And what was happening to this group of believers is they were Hebrews that had been saved, that had been born again. And their temptation, their tendency was, we want to go back under the law, go back under the Levitical system, go back to animal sacrifice for sin. This is hard for us Gentiles to understand Because the temple and temple worship and the synagogue was the center of their social life. So to to not be in the temple for animal sacrifice, to not be in the synagogue, to be in this new covenant relationship with the Lord would ostracize them from their community that was so core to their identity. So we can see why They would be tempted to go back. So the author of Hebrews, through the inspiration of the Spirit, it's one of my favorite books. It's a bit hard to understand, but once you get the message of it, it's so freeing. The author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is better. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is a better high priest. Jesus is better than the angels. And all of this in the Old Testament was leading up to Jesus. So so why would you go back? And then we get to this in Hebrews 10, verse 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who 
draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. The exhortation here is to not draw back. And if we draw back, then God has no pleasure in us. The just shall live by faith, don't draw back. So in the context of Hebrews, let me ask you this. What does it mean to draw back? It means to stop trusting in the finished work of Christ. That was the temptation for the Hebrew believers. Is all of a sudden diminishing the work of Christ and going back to the law, going back to animal sacrifice, to the whole Levitical system. And here God's saying it, if you draw back from the finished work of, of the cross, then he has no, no pleasure. But verse 39, we're not those who draw back. We're, we're not those who walk away from the gospel, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. We're, we're continuing by faith to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I think over time, Satan and our flesh wants to just undermine the work of Christ. Where we start looking for something more in our spiritual life. When we first fell in love with the Lord, man, Jesus was all we could talk about. Our focus was on Christ. And then it's like, huh, angels are pretty interesting. Jesus is cool, but man, if I saw an angel, that would be really cool. No. Angels are nothing can, compared to, to Christ. Well, the gospel, Jesus dying for our sins, his love for the world, Jesus being the answer, doesn't there have to be something deeper or more or, or greater? I'm just, I'm kind of tired of, of hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think the author of Hebrews would, would just slap us around a little bit. Just be like, no, you don't, you don't get it. it, it it's Jesus. He's amazing. He's magnificent. And, and we don't draw back from him. We don't draw back from the finished work of Christ. Now, what comes next in the book of Hebrews is the hall of faith. You can turn and just look at Hebrews chapter 11. But we're given examples of, of what it looks like to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. When someone trusts God... What does it look like in their life? And, and God gives us these tremendous examples to, to look at and, and to follow. Look at verse 6 of Hebrews 11. It says that, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is quite a statement in Scripture. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's the only way that we can please God is to have trust in the Lord. We know this for salvation, but it's also true for the situations that we face in our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall make your path straight, straight. If we can trust God for salvation, which is our greatest need, then we can choose to trust him for the situations that we face. And faith doesn't always change the, the outcome of the trial. What I mean by that is Paul had a thorn in the flesh and he asked God to take it away. 
that God said no, my grace is sufficient for you, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So, so faith isn't a genie just to get God to do what, what we want. So faith doesn't always change the outcome, but faith will change me as I go through the process. If I'm trusting God in the midst of the process, it will really change the trajectory of how I go through that trial or how I go through that difficulty. Now, having said that, it's not always easy, is it? It's difficult sometimes, and there's wrestling and crying out to the Lord and times of doubt, but it's important to, like Habakkuk, wrestle, ask those questions, and faith doesn't always have to be something that's based on our emotions. We're pretty emotional as a culture, and when it comes to faith, And there'll be times where we feel the emotions of faith, but there'll be other times where we feel the emotions of doubt. And to say, God, I'm not allowing my emotions to rule the day. I'm allowing what I know about you to be true. And I know you love me because you gave your son for me. So God, I choose to trust you. I bet all of us have some situations tonight that we're walking through And we can choose to trust the Lord. We trust him for salvation. And it's impossible to please the Lord without faith. He's pleased through faith. Verse 13, speaking of these heroes of faith, some examples, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Their lives were not perfect by any means, but a common thread is that they trusted the Lord. And here's the commentary on their lives. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They trusted God's promises even though they hadn't experienced them. They were assured of them, and they embraced them even though they did not fully enter into them. Moses never entered into the promised land, but continued to believe that God gave the promised land to the children of Israel. It's almost like as a dad going to your kids, hey, we're going to ice cream. We're going to Josh and John's ice cream. Really good if you haven't tried it here in the Springs. Well, dad, when are we going to ice cream? Just trust me, we're going to ice cream. It would be hard to continue to believe that we're actually going to ice cream. But these heroes of faith... They died in faith, having not received the promise, and they embraced them and they confessed, hey, we're just strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're going to ultimately receive the fulfillment of all these promises in heaven. Gang, it's about heaven. That's when we're going to experience the fullness of these promises. Spend some time reading through Hebrews 11. I think you'll, you'll be encouraged by a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. Let's make this practical as we close. As you go, okay, I see this importance of faith. But I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my faith. What do I do? And the first is, be honest with God about it. In the Gospels, we have a dad who has a son who's demon-possessed, And the son, being demon-possessed, would would throw himself into the fire, would throw himself into water to be drowned. 
he brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples, and the disciples don't know what to do and don't have enough faith to pray and believe that God will cast out this demon. Jesus comes down off of the Mount of Transfiguration, and here's the dad saying, could you please help me with my son? Jesus looks at the dad and says, if you believe, all things are possible. And the scriptures tell us that the father responded immediately, crying, saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's honest. Here he's hearing Jesus saying, hey, all things are possible if you believe. And he knows his heart. And he's like, there's some faith in there, but there's also some unbelief in there. And Jesus, I'm just going to be honest with you. I do believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. I believe our loving Heavenly Father loves that kind of honesty. He knows. He knows we're wrestling. He knows we're at that place. And wherever you're at, be honest with the Lord. I think that's where it really happens. Lord, I believe, but help my, my unbelief. And then the second is Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The best thing that we can do practically when we're struggling in faith is be honest with God and spend time in the word, whether we feel like it or not. Because our faith is built up through the word of God. As we hear the word of God, we understand who God is. And that helps us to be able to trust in the Lord. Read God's word in the morning. Read it at night before you go to bed. Read the word on your lunch hour. Get your Bible app going. Start working out to, to the word of God. Traffic is getting worse, have you noticed, right? And as you're in traffic, you know, put on the word of God and, and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. And God's word is going to have impact in our heart and our lives. It's going to build us up in this area of faith. But the just shall live by faith. If you don't know the Lord tonight, how do you come alive spiritually? It's through faith. To believe that Jesus loves you, that he died for your sins and rose again. To repent from sin, which means to turn from sin and cry out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. Be the Lord of my life through faith. And by faith, you'll then be saved. You'll be justified. Have you ever had a gift card that you left in a drawer that you didn't use. It's there. All you got to do is go out and use it. And this offer of justification, it's there. It's been paid for by Christ, but the way that you activate it, the way it becomes real in your life is by faith. So if you need to make that decision as we head to communion, there's going to be a team in the front and the sides where it's a little bit quieter, and we'd love to pray with you, answer questions that you may have. But but let us know. I'd like to receive Christ as my Savior. Also, online, online, there's an opportunity to trust Christ for salvation. Go to the chats and the comments. Say, I'd like to receive Christ as my Savior. Here's the application for us as believers. Are you going to trust him in your situation? There's been several times in my life where I could feel the Lord saying, Eric, I'm going to allow you to wrestle until you get to the place where you trust me.
and you can wrestle as long as you want. And in my stubbornness, I've wrestled for too long. And then I get tired and I get wore out. Have those tough conversations with God and hopefully get to a place of trust. And the peace, for me, follows the trust. It's never come before the trust. God said, Eric, you're going to wrestle. You're going to wrestle. You're going to wrestle. And when I get to that place of of trusting him, letting it go, then I feel that peace of my father that surpasses understanding, that guards my heart and my mind. But here's the challenge. Is you let it go and you choose to trust, say tonight during communion, and then we wake up tomorrow morning, it's Thursday morning, it's like, I'm going to take that back again. I'm not, I'm not sure I can trust you with this. So it's continually, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this situation. I'm going to trust you in this difficulty. The great place for that exchange is at the communion table. As we look at the goodness of God, God, I don't necessarily feel this right now. I don't, I don't understand this right now. But Lord, I, I trust you. you know, I, I wrote this message this morning at a, at a coffee shop and I was feeling pretty good about just, oh Lord, this is really neat stuff. And I get in the car and I get a, a tough phone call. Tough circumstance, it's a tough situation. I was like, oh, here the rubber meets the road. This isn't just a nice little Bible study that I get to prepare in a coffee shop. Oh, God, God's going to make me live this one, you know. And I could just feel the voice of the Holy Spirit, the just shall live by faith. Eric, live by faith. Choose to trust me right now. I know this isn't the, the news you anticipated right now at this, this moment in time. Trust me, get, give it over to me. And you, you may be there too. The just shall live by faith. But God's trustworthy. And he's faithful. So just stand with me and let's, let's pray. Let's enter into to communion. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. That you are trustworthy. We thank you that you operate with us. You relate to us as we trust you. For any that don't know you, Lord, may they find the freedom that comes through faith, salvation by grace. May you draw them to yourself. For us as believers, as we wrestle with situations, as we don't have the answers, Lord, help us to trust you. We believe, but help our unbelief. And as we take communion tonight, help us to surrender those situations and to choose to trust you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.